When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. This is generally the show that brings you the (laughs) unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Right now, our dedicated listeners will know we're right smack dab in the middle of a three-part series on the Salem Witch Trials, which I'm sure you and I know I am very excited to hear the end of. Absolutely. Um... This has been an insane month, week, and, well, year, a couple (laughs) of years, uh, for both Carrie and myself, and I'm sure you as well. Um, But this week in particular, our wedding reception is coming up, works crazy for both of us. We just don't want to shortchange that last chapter of, like, I mean, it's Carrie's favorite story ever, right? So Absolutely. We want to wait until we can give that episode the time it needs, which is next week. It's not this week, unfortunately. <laughs> it would have been a truncated version, and, and that's just not right to do to the uh, victims of that story, right? Definitely. Um, one of the most important things to me has been spotlighting as many of the people as I can find information on. Uh, a lot of the contemporary reports have been lost in the years, um, including a lot of the trial transcripts themselves. But... Yeah, you know, we hear about John Proctor a lot because of the Crucible. We hear about Giles Corey because he was pressed to death with stones. Spoiler alert, if you don't know that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known, very good story. Yes, but what do we know about Sarah Good or Susanna Howe or some of the other victims of the Salem witch trials? What about the people that died in prison and didn't even make it to the gallows? Right, and we gave... Um, yeah, I, I think... If you listen to our episode last week, you'll get the sense that we are, um, yeah, we're going deep into their uh, their lives and their experience during this thing. And by the way, that was Susanna Martin and Catherine Howe, two people uh, who had the same trial date. But yes, so I definitely want to make sure that we cover all of them with due diligence and respect. And it's just been crazy. Um, I, I was... Busy hot gluing and tying up boutonnieres and, you know, obviously it's it's no excuse with our lives, but we didn't want to shortchange the story. So today, what are we doing today? Well, Carrie, this is arguably the spookiest week in all the year. Mm-hmm. So I thought we could give um, our regular feed listeners a peek at our um, very themed, you know, kind of spooky content. Uh, for the Patreon this month, which was uh, the debut of a new uh, little mini-series for our Patreon listeners, right? Mm-hmm. We came out with our first mini-sode for our Ain't It Kitschy offshoot that only exists on Patreon. Uh, and that's covering all things kitschy. So that's 
Everything unique, maybe sentimental, or even a little tasteless to some. You, you give the example in the what, what our audience is about to hear. I think you give the example of uh, Velvet Elvis paintings. Right. I would love a Velvet Elvis painting, but some would think it's trashy or gaudy. And or like, why would that? Why would that be a thing? Exactly. So we could we could dive into that. Uh, plenty of novelty songs besides the couple of Halloween ones that we covered here. I I would love to do. God, I could do endless episodes on novelty songs. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Mm-hmm. But before we toss to that, it is the spookiest month of the year. Um, Carrie, we've seen, um, we've watched Under Wraps again. Yes. Well, since our episode, some friends of ours who are also listeners were so intrigued, they wanted me to bring over my out-of-print under wraps DVD, uh, so they could experience it themselves, and the, they enjoyed it. I think the original is not on Disney Plus. No, because they just remade it, and they don't want anyone else to find out that it's much better. And then we watched uh, one of your favorites, uh, Hocus Pocus. Yes, well, that's just something required every year for me, at least. I know it's not for you. Uh, yeah, no, I I enjoy two moments of Hocus Pocus. Um, one is when the three witches get on the bus and the bus driver goes, Boppo, Boppo. <laughs> he says, Bubble, Bubble. Boppo, Boppo. <laughs> like that guy. And, uh, I like when they're at Gary Marshall's house and Bette Midler goes, he has a little woman. Yes, you, you very much enjoy that. That's a fun line. Um, other than that, I could, I could, uh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I know, you like Hot Skeleton Guy. Well, he was... Very formative for me. And I'm not talking about Billy Butcherson. I'm talking about the guy singing witchcraft when the witches go to the town hall uh, party. I think he is um, very nice. That song still gets you all a flutter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Carrie, what's the best Halloween costume you've ever done? Ooh, that's actually difficult for me. I have a lot that I really love. Um, funnily enough, I think my Winifred Sanderson costume was really good. Uh, I, because this was a few years before they started really going in on the merchandising for Hocus Pocus and nothing existed in the stores. So I had to make everything myself, uh, including her cloak, which was made out of a, a heavy green, um, tree little rug that you put under a Christmas tree. How'd you do the hair? I made a headband with two buns attached to it with um, socks made out of socks and tights wrapped around it. And then I wrapped my hair around that. Now you could just get a, a Winifred Sanderson officially licensed wig, but that wasn't a thing in 2014 or whenever I did this costume. Oh, how times have changed. What, mm -hmm. a, what a glorious new age we live in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think our... Barbara and Adam costumes from Beetlejuice were really good with Poe as Beetlejuice. That was inspired ideas, ideasmanship from you. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a couple we love. They're a film couple we love. Um, Poe hated the wig more than anything I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. He hated it more than, like, more than I hate the Nazis, probably. Wow. Well... I hope that just means it's a lot. I saw him take them to trial for war crimes, <laughs> that wig. 
Um, and then I think what the stuff that I, I have to make really handmade is stuff that I'm proud of. Um, my Buffy Prophecy Girl costume from freshman year of high school and my Silk Spectre 1 costume, uh, Watchmen. Bit of a deeper cut, I would say. My mom made it all from scratch because, again, that one didn't have a costume either. Yeah. So... Uh, I was very proud of all of those costumes. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to say about the Beetlejuice one is the only knock against it is we had to do, we had to buy rubber masks for the heads. You yeah, I mean, you, you can do paper mache and stuff, but we were, we were hosting a party. We were throwing our, <laughs> throwing our efforts elsewhere, I think. Well, and paper mache is not going to look as good. Yeah. In any other area, you can handcraft stuff and eventually get to like kind of screen perfect looking. Uh, not with like clay or paper paper mache or we're not tim burton what was your favorite costume uh i think our frankenstein and bride was i love that too really good uh, and that was a from scratch costume mm-hmm. pretty much yeah all the makeup certainly yours more than mine mine was just kind of a, a white cloak type of thing <laughs> i didn't have to do much there but the makeup i think i nailed it you killed it you always, well, you always, you, you, uh... I have done some makeup looks I'm really proud of. I did this, um, this sort of skeletal pumpkin scarecrow look for work one year that even I was impressed that I did that makeup. Check the Ain't It Scary website. Carrie will put that on the episode page. And I did a Lady Beetlejuice costume, um, really on the fly, like in a semi-dark hotel room putting on that makeup and it looked pretty awesome. So I was proud of that one as well. Only knock against that, it wasn't gross enough. <laughs> well, it was Lady Beetlejuice. She was a little sexier than, like, you know, the guy picking worms out of his pants. She's seen a shower before. <laughs> um, I, I love... Do you have any other favorites? Yeah, I, um... The first year we met, I did um, Clint Eastwood from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I got the poncho, like, the right poncho. I got the uh, right vest. I got the... It really was... It was pretty cosplay level stuff. It was great. It was before we were doing couples costumes. So we we did our Halloween festivities as Clint Eastwood and Pennywise. It worked for me. <laughs> it was very funny. Two characters that would never exist together. And um, yeah, I won some costume contests with that. I mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't know. Most people I know probably haven't seen that movie. Yeah, I mean, it is a long movie, so. It's... It's a good movie. It's I mean, just long. You guys watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's one of the best ever made. It's not particularly Halloween-y. Um, oh, and one year I did a Civil War ghost um, before we met, and I think you've seen a picture of it. And I, I don't know. I did some pretty sweet self-applied makeup, and I put bullet holes in the shirt, and I had some... It, it was like a, a pretty... Um, a last-minute kind of handmade costume out of the idea, starting from the fact that I had a union cap. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, Civil War. Well, you had the cool. most important part that you couldn't make as easily yourself. Yes. And it ended up being a really cool kind of haunting, no pun intended, uh, costume. Uh, so, yeah, Civil War ghost. I was often the child that was doing a lot of like weird stuff, you know, middle school coming home and mom saying, hey, what do you want to be for Halloween? And I said, I don't know, like a killer ventriloquist dummy. Uh, and bless my parents, they went along with it. You you went to Slappy? 
Kind of, yes. Um, there was one unrelated to Halloween birthday party I went to in the third grade where it was like a, a face paint party at the beach. And, um, you know, they had someone there doing like butterflies or, you know, princess makeup or whatever. And I decided to take the makeup myself and make myself Frankenstein. So I came home, still wearing like, a you know, my bathing suit and stuff. It was a, a beach birthday party in the summer. But I have blood all over my neck and on my around my wrists because they were like <laughs> stitched on. And uh, I was like, Mom, take a picture of me. And again, bless their hearts. They they leaned into it. Look, I'm a suicide. <laughs> uh, yeah, I came home as Frankenstein while everyone else were butterflies and fairies. And this that's not me being a pick me girl. I look back at that picture and i go wow i was a weird kid huh yeah um <laughs> you were yes you were and you still are a weird kid and that's what that's what we love about you carrie me and the listeners well thank you uh what's your favorite halloween novelty song is this gonna be a spoiler i mean it's the monster mash oh okay <laughs> you, you, you stick right with the original yeah i think you can't get more halloween than that um, thriller might transcend novelty, but that's obviously an amazing song. I think, I think that's a dance song. I th- I think that transcends novelty. Yeah, even with a Vincent Price intro, which you would think would make it squarely a novelty song, uh, I think it transcends it. But Monster Mash is just Halloween. It's the Halloween song. It's been played at every Halloween party you've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, which is especially amazing because it kind of sucks. No. As a song. No. As a piece of kitsch. <sighs> it brings me joy, and that's all that counts. <laughs> Without context, you just sound crazy, Sean. If uh, any of our listeners are looking for other music to listen to this Halloween season, obviously I have a playlist, which I'll be sharing on our page this week. But um, also I would recommend the album Dead Man's Bones by Dead Man's Bones. That's, uh, yeah, it's an eponymous, I think it's what you call it, an album. My body's a zombie for you. It is the best an actor thought he could make an album. Album. Did you say it was Ryan Gosling's band? I was about to. Oh. Yes, it is Ryan Gosling's band. Um, This is the only album they ever released. I would give my pinky to hear another one of theirs. Uh, Once in a while, I'll harass Ryan Gosling on Twitter and say, hey, take a break from the movie stuff. I want to hear more music. Probably the only person that's doing that. Um, It's amazing. They released it in 20, hmm, either 2010 or 2009. Um, It's like a concept album and it has a a choir of children that (laughs) are singers from the conservatory that Flea started from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
it shouldn't work, but it does. It's inspired by the Haunted Mansion, and it has a lot of ghoulish-sounding children singing, yeah, beautiful kids, music. The kids are always dropped back in the mix and a ton of reverb, so it's like a bunch of ghost children are singing in the background. Yes. Every song was done in like one or two takes, so it feels really... It's not raw, but it feels really like just cool. There's something cool about it, and you can tell that he really... Ryan Gosling really cared about the music and I love that he's a spooky bitch at heart. So definitely recommend that. It's great for driving around on Halloween. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> I'm gonna roll in a little lose your soul tonight, uh here before the um episode. Mm-hmm. And you guys can enjoy that, and you can enjoy your week until we see you again um, to really bring things down with part three of the Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> well, it'll be a bummer because it's all the executions, but hopefully it'll be informative and entertaining and all that good stuff. Everything that we try to do. Yeah, so we try to do that each and every week, <laughs> and um, and hopefully you've enjoyed spending these couple of minutes with us as we've enjoyed spending these uh, couple of minutes actually sitting down. Yes. Uh, happy Halloween. This is the best time of the year. The veil between worlds is the thinnest, so live it up alongside the dead. Oh, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another Ain't It Scary mini for the spooky month of Halloween. Titular Sean right here. Titular Carrie over here. And Caroline, uh, you've been, this is an episode we've talked about doing for a long time, um, but now we're now that we're in the spooky, spooky month of October once again, it seemed like the perfect time to do it. Um, so tell the listeners, what is Ain't It Kitschy? Yeah, so you'll notice that this is a, a new imprint, so to speak, uh, under our Patreon label. <laughs> uh, sort of the parlophone of Ain't It Scary. <laughs> sure. This is going to be a podcast, well, a Patreon podcast at the very least, about kitschy things. Um, we're going to start with novelty songs, and these that we're speaking of today are Halloween novelty songs. Of course, for the season. Of course. Uh, but we'll, we might talk about other novelty songs down the road and even more novelty items like Velvet Elvis paintings. And uh, Is that a very specific, is that a thing? Velvet Elvis? Oh, yes. 
Okay. Oh, yes. Something to put a pin in for the listeners to look forward to. They're very quirky, unique items, uh, and it seems to fit with our brand. They sound quirky and unique. Are they painted on velvet or are they... Never yes. mind. Never mind. Let's, let's figure it out later. <laughs> okay. Our first episode of Ain't It Kitschy will center around two of our favorite Halloween novelty songs, the utterly ridiculous Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula. Oh, God. We call these minisodes, but this is, I have a lot to say about Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula. As, I mean, the title you know. is so long that we'll need a full episode to talk about it. Uh, and this is by The Diamonds. And the absolute classic Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kicker 5. I was working in the lab. <laughs> Everyone's heard the Monster Mash. Of course. So first we'll do Batman, Wolfman, etc., etc. Now, Caroline, I had never, you're of course, uh, as our listeners probably know, the queen of Halloween. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to share that our... TM. Our friends have recently, including Nick and Tara from the uh, from our sister podcast, Unloaded Questions right here on the... Longboy Media Network. Our friends have started now asking Carrie, like she's the final arbiter of whether something is Halloween. Carrie, is Jack Black Halloween? These are the kinds of questions she's being asked. Yes, Jack Black is Halloween. If if we're just going on a scale of yes or no, Jack Black is Halloween. He is close to Beetlejuice in vibe. And uh, he, he wears a lot of costumes and his last name is Black. And we all know that the color black is Halloween. We should... We should do one of these. Uh, an episode we'll do it of these with Nick and Tara. <laughs> well, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so, so yeah, they've they've had me also rate um, completely absurd things on on the scale of Halloweeniness, um, like fabrics yep. and and time periods, different other movies that have nothing to do with Halloween. Non Halloween holidays. Exactly. Uh, people, the people in our, our friend group. <laughs> Uh, so yes, of course, I am a big fan of Halloween. And yeah, Sean, you hadn't heard this song before I came thriller dancing into your life. No, and uh, I was better for it. I was better for wow. not having heard it. You love you love it a little bit. I love it so much. I I need to show people this song if I find out they haven't like heard it. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. There's no wrong time of year. Uh, to share Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula with someone. It's evergreen. Um, so I thank you for bringing it into my life, and uh, <laughs> I am excited to curse our listeners' minds with it now. I love to take my baby to a movie show. So I can try to smooch her while the lights are low But she won't cuddle to a story of romance There's only one way I've got a chance It takes the Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein or Dracula Now hold on. <laughs> Dead stop. <laughs> First of all, the premise of the song is I'm trying to mack on this girl, but she she isn't interested unless there's a horror movie on screen. So the only way I can scam my way into this woman's pants is with some sort of uh, horrific imagery on the screen. Yes, this song tells the complicated story of a hot and bothered guy who loves taking his girl to the movies, but she will only get horny if they go to horror movies. But then we get to the chorus and he's listing uh, ostensibly <laughs> monsters. And he starts, the number one pick here is Batman. 
first overall draft in, in <laughs> classic monsters, Batman, the superhero from DC Comics. Yeah, uh, you may be wondering, friends, uh, Carrie, where does Batman, the Dark Knight, Gotham's prince, fit into this? The world's greatest detective. Of course. So, so subtle he is. Uh, even though the character of Batman, as we know it, Bruce Wayne, uh, had been introduced decades earlier in an issue, I think, number 27 of Detective Comics in March 1939. That is exactly right. I know. Uh, this song decided to skip right over that famous and existing character and make it all very confusing by including a Batman on a list of strange horror creatures. Because oh. then it's followed up with Wolfman. Right. So this is along with like classics, Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula. You know, you got your Frankensteins. You've got your Draculas. Right. So. <laughs> and, and then we, we, so, but the list isn't over. There's more monsters no. to come. So let's hear more of this, a little more of this song. Mm -hmm. To put her in the mood for love, it takes the cat girl, dog boy, creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Creature from the Black Lagoon, I have to grant you. That was a classic universal film of the 50s. Not a very good one. Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. <laughs> uh, that's a reference to another podcast. We should try to limit those. <laughs> well, we'll also be talking we about We will talk about Comedy Bang Bang later. And we're behind the Patreon paywall. Who cares? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Cat Girl, Dog Boy. Uh, so those these... are not things. <laughs> no, these seem more... Tragic than horrifying. Like a freak sick, show. At sick a, experiments. Like a carnival freak show might have a cat girl and a dog boy. Mm -hmm. Probably yeah. not a creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, yeah, so let, let's go back a little bit to, to the history of this song, and there's not much out there about it. Oh, can we finish the chorus first? Sure. To make her feel like making love, it takes a monster from outer space to make my baby want my embrace. And when I hold She can hear somebody scream. So there you go. That's so good. Okay, so. And then that saxophone, <laughs> that like high saxophone comes in. It is pretty, it's a pretty funky song. It is. And this is all because of the Diamonds. Uh, they were a Canadian vocal quartet originally made up of Dave Somerville, Ted Kowalski, Phil Levitt, and Bill Reed, the fabulous four. But that's the other thing I was thinking, actually. It doesn't hit your ears like, unlike the other song on our list here, this sounds like a, a, an actual band of actual musicians decided <laughs> to make this song. It sounds like an actual song mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, well, this group had an astounding 16 Billboard hits between just the mid-50s and the early 60s. Are there any others we know? Let's put one on. I don't think so. Uh, their first single, which was their, also their first hit, was a cover of the famous song Why Do Fools Fall in Love, originally by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. That would read num uh, reach number 12 on the charts. So kind of setting aside the uh, falsetto lead you usually hear in that song. <laughs> well, because they were actual teenagers that did the original. Right. Oh, so you think the Diamonds just couldn't get up there, so they they. Frankie Lyman had a historically high voice, which became a problem as he hit puberty and stuff, and it's all very tragic. He died young. 
don't want to bring everything down. But yeah, they they kind of took it and made it more of like a manly, <laughs> a manly song. Um, it's classic doo-wop. So there you have it. Yeah, they're groovy. It's the B-side to their 1959 single, Walk in the Stroll, uh, that had the improbable song of Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula. Uh, <laughs> it's That's weird, too, to put it on an album full of, again, ostensibly normal yes. rock and roll songs. Yes. Um, it's not like it was a single that they put out around Halloween. Yeah, I'm including it here because I just wanted to share it because it's it's just the epitome of kitsch. But I really have no idea the, the history of this song. There's not a, a lot available online as to the background of this little ditty or why the Diamonds decided to record it. But I'm I'm really glad they did. We all needed a song about a girl who gets horny for horror movies. We certainly did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, God, I wish there was more to say about it, but... Uh, it enrages me. Where do you think, because as we've established, Batman existed. Yes. They just hadn't heard? Do you think they hadn't heard of Batman? No, I think they had heard of Batman. Well, then what is what the fuck? I don't know. And it's not Bat Space Man. It's Batman. Clearly Batman. So. We hear a little space between dog boy. Yes. Cat girl, dog boy. But like even in the song title, it's Batman. One word. So I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, it's a reasonable get to buy the rights to the song for a movie because the 2020 Netflix film The Kissing Booth 2. Oh, one of my favorites. Booth Harder. <laughs> too oh, Booth, Too Furious. Electric Boothaloo. <laughs> this, uh, it included this track as a diegetic song being performed at a frankly awesome looking Halloween party attended by the main character played by Joey King. Carrie, I need to take this back for a second. I need you to listen to this again. In our pre-production meeting, I was laughing to myself about this, and I wouldn't share with you. I wanted to save it for the show. <laughs> I need you to hear that what this lead singer in this, um, I don't know. This is a film from 2020? Yes. This band is from 2003. Sure. This is from a 2003 band uh, that played at my high school, probably. Cool. Um... But I need you to hear that this lead singer says Frankie Stein or Dracula. Please. He says Frankie Stein or Dracula. Can we agree? Frankie Stein or Dracula? I'm going to definitely agree on Dracula. Frankie Stein! <laughs> yeah, here they seem to be going for like a hocus pocus, I put a spell on you situation. Uh, and based on the YouTube comments, which are very thirsty, uh, the singer here, Taylor Zakar Perez, awoke many of the young folks watching the movie with his performance in a similar way uh, that I was awoken when I first saw Hot Skeleton Guy crooning away at Bucktooth Bet Midler in Hocus Pocus. 
I think you're in the minority with that man. That Absolutely not. The guy hiding behind the skeleton. You can't even see his face. He's Absolutely just a skeleton. Not. We were watching it. He's wearing a heavy coat. It's not like he's got we a We were bob. watching it at my bachelorette, and the, the ladies there, the straight ladies there, were like, yeah, he's hot. What did Nick say? He was asleep. <laughs> he was snoring. <laughs> he had too much to drink. <laughs> Fair play to him. Let's talk about the Monster Mash. <laughs> yes, the next is our star of the day, the Monster Mash. Oh, we all know that intro. Uh, this is how I enter a room. One of the most recognizable drum beats of all time. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, yeah, it is subtle. To my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom. Can this be our first dance at our wedding? You've already asked this so many times, and the answer's still unfortunately no. <sighs> All right. So Bobby Boris Pickett, what year was this? Yes, this was 1962. Uh, Bobby Pickett was living in Massachusetts, fronting a local band called The Cordials, when he and bandmate Lettered Compizzi wrote The Monster Mash. Do we know what kind of music the cordials was? I mean, can I assume it was just kind of rock and roll of the time? Yeah, basically this this kind of stuff. Which, uh, if you can't tell, friends, I adore this kind of music. I love doo-wop and oldies music. Um, Carrie Carrie prides herself on making playlists in Spotify and stuff. Like she, it's a it's a hobby. It's something mm-hmm. she spends all her time doing. Not Go follow time. me, Spooky Scary Carrie. Spooky Scary Carrie on Spotify. She makes great <laughs> playlists and she puts a lot of time into them. And yet, every time I borrow Carrie's car. It's on Sirius 60s on 6 every time. <laughs> it's all you listen to. Well, that's the auto thing if I don't plug something in. Um, but I love doo-wop music. It just makes me happy. It's serotonin. I need it. <laughs> Desperately. Desperately. And, and um, you actually shared with me earlier a song that um, they, I don't know about ripped off, but they definitely, you can hear the drum beat from this D.D. Uh, Sharp song in uh, in the Monster Mash, right? Yes, they wrote the Monster Mash specifically to try and capitalize on the trend of dance crazy songs from the time. You you guys probably know the twist. And um, there's also the Mashed Potato from the song Mashed Potato Time. Oh, this slaps. It slaps hard. got kind of a Ronettes, oh, early yeah. Supremes feel. Those so good. girl vocal groups of the 60s, Ugh. the greatest. Ugh, so good. And uh, you might not know that that song also has a little known follow-up, Gravy, for my mashed potatoes. Oh, shut up. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, That's the about... twist The twist also has a follow-up called Let's Twist Again. So I wonder if the Monster Mash will have any follow-ups. Well, here's there's a difference, though, because obviously... <laughs> 
the mashed potato song is like a, it stumble. It's a dance cray, but it's a dance song. You know what I mean? Uh, the let, the twist and let's twist again. That's a dance song. They're following it up with the monster mash is like a parody of a dance song. It is. It's specifically that. Surely um, they wouldn't follow up with something so craven a cash grab <laughs> as a follow up to a parody of a dance craze. That would be insane. We'll get to that. Um, so Bobby Boris Pickett. Let's talk about him a little bit. Pickett was apparently known for his impression of Frankenstein actor Boris Karloff. Then yeah. why is he always doing this like dra- bad Dracula voice? Maybe, maybe I was working. In maybe the everyone was like, "That's that's a great Boris Karloff." Um, he figured this song would be a great place to use it. He had improvised a Karloff oh, monologue. Wait, this is supposed to be that Karloff voice. I think Karloff's voice is like super deep and not British. Well, neither is Bobby Pickett. I don't I know. I was working in the lab. He's got a British thing to him. It's just more monsters. So he had improvised a Karloff monologue during a cover the Cordials did one night of the song Little Darlin' by The Diamonds. Oh. And apparently the, the audience just lost their shit. So Pickett and Capizzi thought they should keep it going and, and put it into an actual song. Uh, the cordials themselves weren't used for this song because it was recorded by Pickett and Capizzi with a session band called the Crypt Kickers. Obviously, that's made up for this <laughs> yes. session. And this included uh, pianist Leon Russell and drummer Mel Taylor. Leon Russell, he's like the seventh Beatle. There's a lot of extra Beatles. <laughs> Backing vocalists, interestingly enough, also include Darlene Love, who and uh, ended up being a protege of Phil Spector, and we probably know her best from her Christmas songs. Phil Spector, he's like the ninth Beatle. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> so the Monster Mash was written in less than an hour and recorded in a single afternoon. It became a song about a dance craze, but where the dance itself is never actually spelled out, unlike in a lot of the other dance trend songs at the time. They would tell you, like, put your hand here and then put your leg here. But they are just talking about people, well, monsters doing the monster mash in this song. Right. Now, to be fair, the locomotion, I think, is the same thing. All she tells us, you got to swing your hips, but that's not a specific instruction. Now, eventually, there was an actual dance to go along with the Monster Mash, but it was basically just a variation on the mashed potato, (laughs) where the footwork was the same, but the Frankenstein-like monster gestures um, were added, and you would make those with your arms and hands. Everyone knows those. And everyone can see uh, Michael Jackson doing that dance in the video for Thriller. (laughs) Well, he he does some of the dance. This was released as the debut single by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers, and the Monster Mash topped the North American Billboard chart right in time for Halloween 1962. Sean, you'd think the song was all harmless fun, but after it debuted in the UK in the autumn of 62, the BBC actually banned it from the airwaves, calling it too morbid for the radio. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm confused. Me too. It's, I don't think anyone dies in it or anything. Does that Frankenstein's mean, mentioned. Does that mean the comedy bang bang bit that we're both thinking of, like, is based on truth? Well, it's based on a truth. <laughs> Not necessarily the truth. This ban was only lifted in 1973 
when the song entered the charts again that year, peaking at number three. So it was banned from UK radio for a decade. That's amazing. And then a year, uh, 10 years later, this thing still wasn't like out of fashion enough to uh, like it, it still jumps to number three once they were allowed to play it. Mm-hmm. It's not the only time the Monster Mash hit the UK charts again. It hit number 60 on the British charts in November 2008. And it seems apropos of nothing, uh, unlike something like Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World becoming a hit because or, of that movie. Or Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead hit number one in the UK after Margaret Thatcher died. Yes. Uh, I, I can't really f- correlate why this happened. Bobby Pickett had a minor hit with the Christmas-themed follow-up called Monster's Holiday in December 1962, which peaked at number 30 on the Billboard chart. Monster's Holiday. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I thought he would go on vacation. <laughs> it's Christmas. Was the night before Christmas <laughs> when all through the castle my monsters were having a yuletide hassle. The tree was all trimmed in ghoulish things like werewolf fangs and vampire wings. But they were up to no Listener. This is on my Christmas playlist. Listener, I'm pretty sure I've never heard this before. Wife, you can correct me if I'm wrong and you've you've played this for me before. I don't think I would have let it play all the way through. I don't know. We've gone through a lot of uh, monster follow-ups. It's so offensive. I love it. Like he thought no one would notice if literally it's the same drum beat and the same music and the same chorus. Yeah, why not? They were up to no good. Didn't act like good monsters should. They'd found themselves a new prey. They planned to rob Santa's sleigh. The mummy was to signal. You know. Okay. So now they're doing like a heist. We can agree, Arbiter of Halloween, that Christmas is not Halloween, right? No. No. That's why Nightmare Before Christmas. Sometimes it tends to feel more Christmas to me. Because any Christmas elements cancels, take away yeah. from Halloween for you. Yeah. But there is another follow-up. Uh, the B-side to this single was the Monster Motion. Oh, thank God. So this will be a little <laughs> more creative, kind of push the, the envelope in different directions. No, but it is my favorite follow-up. It is the only other one that is on my uh, 14-hour-long Halloween playlist. It's basically a rehash of the original with a dash of the locomotion. The last one we just heard was a rehash of the original with a dash of Christmas, I guess. Well, let's let's listen. From beyond the moat, there are Wait, no, it's still the holiday one. Shit. <laughs> Get that out of here. <laughs> Sean just had a panic attack. Well, I just flew in. From Boris is bad. Same piano. I said that fool. Same drum. We've changed narrators, though. Okay. So 
So this one is less egregious to me because it feels like a less let's twist again. Like, you know, that natural kind of remember when everyone was twisting, let's twist again. You yeah. Know? For, for anyone who somehow doesn't know that song. Um, I prefer it to the twist. Yeah, I actually do, too. But it, it is crazy that they both exist. Cause but gravy for my mashed potatoes exists like the follow up song to a dance song is a thing right anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about look up the twist and twist again let's twist again let's twist again uh, do the twist and let's twist again both by chubby checker mm-hmm. a take on fats domino which i didn't realize till i was way too old who makes their name a parody again it's not like he was a parody artist <sighs> i love it though so these were later followed by further monster themed singles like me and my mummy Bloodbank Blues, Werewolf Watusi, and The Monster Swim. Oh, can we dig into the monster motion a little bit? So is that he, uh, Drac, alluded to, and by the way, I hate when Bobby Boris Pickett calls Dracula Drac all the time. It's like, like, that's, like that's an accepted Bob nickname. Bob De Niro, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> when me and Drac were on Marty the set. Marty Scorsese. You know, he always tells you to call him Drac <laughs> on the set, so I just, I, I, I can't help it. I have to call him Drac now. Mm. You know, when I was on the set with Drac, it's all business, and uh, he's really, he took me through the craft. Um, and I So I hate that. But, but it sounds like, <laughs> but it sounds like Drac is stepping in for Bobby Boris Pickett. He alludes to Bobby being like... There's definitely Bo- a mythology being... here, and I appreciate that. So now Drac is stepping out on his own and kind of trying to get his own dance going. That's what I get from that song. Yeah. Um, it, it was a more of a musical departure than... The Monster's Holiday, which is a one-for-one <laughs> rip of the original. Yeah, and The Monster Swim is rough. I think we've actually heard that one. We have, and we're not going to play it. We're, <laughs> no, I, I, it's too rough. No, it's terrible. <laughs> Just know that Bobby Boris Pickett also recorded The Monster Swim, and it's what you think it is. In 1974, the original Monster Mash was somewhat remixed by Buck Owens, and that one, too, re-entered the North American Billboard chart at number six. It came back again at 25 in 2012 and hit the 20s during most years between 2005 and 2017 on the digital song sales chart. Well, that's pretty late. Yeah. That's when. That's just the most recent data I could find about the Monster Mash. It might do it every Halloween. Yeah, that's when digital media was still kind of young, and everyone had to buy the Monster Mash. Now they all have it. I don't know the amount of time times I play the Monster Mash during Halloween season. I probably am single handedly <laughs> at fault for keeping it on the digital chart. That's a, you might push it to number twenty. So <laughs> oh, yeah. The '80s brought the world the rap and hip-hop craze, and with that, we were exposed to the monster rap. When you say it's a craze, it sounds like you're <laughs> like it's a fad. It was a craze in that all all these people were trying to do hip-hop that shouldn't have been trying to do hip-hop. 100%. Tom Jones. Brian Wilson. Wham. Oof. This is a sequel to The Mash, where the mad scientist is trying to teach his dancing monster to talk, but only succeeds in getting him to rap. I haven't heard this, but I'm anticipating it to be cringy. Oh, familiar territory. (laughs) Oh, something a little different. (laughs) I I have to say, I love how different it is. Working in the lab late these nights with eyes grown used to itty sights. I created a monster who could dance and walk, but I couldn't. 
Do you think it got more embarrassing or less embarrassing when it got to the shock the body hook? <laughs> I know you love a pun. Uh, it's tough. This one didn't chart. I don't know why. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Like the whole song is a rap, basically. He's like, well, I just talked through the first song. So well, again, it's easy to laugh at an old, tired, lame white guy <laughs> cat trying to cash in on the hip hop uh, craze or fad, as you call it, Carrie. <laughs> it was I know you're mad craze. at these young people in their sagging pants. It, the craze was other people doing hip hop that shouldn't be. Yes. No, I know. Uh, I Granted. <laughs> So it's one thing for him to jump on and, and do that. I understand. It's one thing to make fun of that. But let's accept that this is technically more creatively worthwhile than anything he's put out since the original Monster Mash. That's tough, babe. The, at least it's a different drum beat. Well, yet another follow-up, The Monster Slash, was released in 2004 with lyrics changed to what do you think this was about before i tell you that's really tough uh monster slash 2004 it could be it could be full of guitar solos from the uh guy from guns and roses slash i think that's his name something like that <laughs> or it could be about like jason and freddie if they bring in jason and freddie or it could be about like sexual fan fiction or maybe it's about Dracula and Frankenstein having sex with Freddy and Jason, and then it's all of those things. And that, Slash. That is all wrong. It is about critiquing George W. Bush's environmental policies. What? Let's listen. We were hiking in the forest late one night when our eyes beheld an eerie sight. Our president appeared and began to frown. Then he and his friends cut the forest down. They did the forest slash. So okay, you would think it's a monster slash, yeah, why, but he calls it a forest slash. Why on earth would the song not be called Forest Slash? Because then no one would no know one what it would was. No, it was a monster slash. <sighs> <laughs> well, Bobby looks rough here, and he sounds rough. He sounds tired. Someone should give him a break. I wonder what kind of song he would come up with today. Do you feel, if someone writes the Monster Mash, do you think he should get to put his feet up for the rest of his life? Like, Absolutely. Never work another day? Absolutely. The, for just the amount of pure joy that song has brought me? Absolutely. Do you think he needs to work? Why put out the, the one about burning the trees down? I think people probably approached him for that one. And he was like, yeah, I like trees. Okay, why do the rap one in the 80s? That's just... Surely that's the, just silly. The royalties never stopped on the Monster <laughs> Mash. Stop trying to get your second bite at the apple, Bobby. Well, aside from songs, the Monster Mash inspired an actual musical movie, Monster Mash, released in 1995 and starring Bobby Pickett himself. I'm still not going to watch it, Carrie. <laughs> Sean... Actually, I do want to watch that. You might not believe this, but it was written and directed by the co-writers of Toy Story... Joel Cohen and Alex Sokolow. Okay. And it co-starred Candace Cameron of Full House and Hallmark movie fame. Now I'm in. 
The movie itself sounds kind of like a ripoff of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where a teenage couple on their way home from a Halloween party experience car trouble and have to take refuge at, well, the Frankenstein place. <laughs> I, I desperately want to see it. Rocky Horror ripoff only in that it is I mean, the a premise. musical. I mean, yeah, but that premise is supposed to be just a super right. generic horror premise. But I'm sure, you know. Is Bobby Pickett in in this situation the Frankenverter? Does he bang both of them? Oh, I gotta know. Uh, yeah. I gotta know. Based on what we know about the Monster Mash, it probably will be a little less hypersexual. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Monster Mash itself has appeared everywhere, especially around Halloween, and in pop culture from The Simpsons to covers by The Misfits and The Beach Boys. And as we alluded to earlier, there's even a running joke on the Monster Mash on one of our favorite podcasts, Comedy Bang Bang, where each year comedian Nick Weiger will show up in character as a co-writer of the song named Leo Carpazzi. Now, this will add to your enjoyment because I I think that's meant to sound like Leonard Capizzi, the actual co-writer of the Monster Mash. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, of course So he did his homework. Yeah, Nick Weiger's very well researched on this. And even... The fact that, like, when you listen to the monster motion and it's just the same beat comes in again. Mm-hmm. It's a very funny, it's a very smart satire on Bobby Boris Pickett's actual career. Yes, and each year uh, he tricks Scott Ackerman into letting him play a new song, but it's just a version of the Monster Mash. And this is what he says are the original lyrics to the Monster Mash, which are laced with profanities. He, he references that that. <laughs> controversy we mentioned earlier he says well, that the lyrics were considered too intense too and frightening. sexual well no he says they were too intense and graphic for audiences uh and then they're he sings graphic. a song called the monster fuck yes it's it's called the monster fuck it's the best for my monster from his slab began to rise when suddenly to my surprise his trousers dropped right to the floor with his bottom bare he ran to the door i said frankenstein what's gotten into you he said my dick is hard and i need to screw he did the fuck he did the monster fuck the monster fuck it was a graveyard fuck he did the fuck that monster sucked and fucked he did the fuck he did the monster fuck part seven haunted car from my laboratory i heard quite uh, i love how it's <laughs> mash rhymes with smash that's why they did that but it's just fuck rhymes with fuck here that's all they needed yes they did the monster fuck it was a graveyard fuck it was a graveyard <laughs> it's uh it, you heard him say it's part seven hauntica because uh, well, he, the, he insisted it, that time that it was a holiday song he was bringing on and not yes not the he always has fuck to again. trick scott but it always ends up being the monster fuck oh what are you guys doing listening to this you just listen to comedy bang bang <laughs> as steve greenberg wrote for billboard quote I can't think of another example in pop culture of a parody so outliving and outshining its inspirations that people no longer even remember it was ever intended to be a parody. What, the monster fuck? Monster mash. (laughs) Though we lost Mr. Bobby Boris Pickett to cancer in 2010, his spirit and a bunch of monsters live on. And we will um, we'll see you guys on the next one. Of course, another episode coming next Thursday. And I think we might have another mini-sode, cheeky little mini-sode coming <laughs> next week if we can pull it off. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> 
Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.